Brown says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tip Sheet. I'm your host, John, also known as 4020, and joining me for an instant reaction of an unfortunate loss in round 19 is my mate 60s. 60s, it is a pleasure to have you here. Unfortunate circumstances of eels narrowly pipped by a very tough and courageous Canberra outfit. Yes, mate, and it, it almost feels like the loss to the Penrith side with that opportunity from the sideline mm-hmm. or out wide that would have at least taken the game into extra time. Yeah, and Gunfo hooked uh, it badly, yeah, it, It's, uh, yeah, very disappointing because that kick didn't even look like going near. But uh, we'll be honest in our assessments uh, with this instant reaction podcast, and it's never easy talking about a loss and trying to do so without emotion uh, uh, under those sort of circumstances. But we'll do our best, mate. Yeah, so the Parramatta Eels 10 falling to the Canberra Raiders 12 on a Thursday night out at Seabus Super Stadium for the Raiders. Corey Harawira and Naira kick-started the scoring in the 44th minute, a rare game where it went in on um, doubled zeros at halftime, uh, which was replied to, uh, sorry, the Raiders then backed it up for Jordan Rupp on a try in the 52nd minute. Both those tries very soft, it has to be said. Uh, very disappointing from our left-edge defense. And for the Eels, it was a sensational try for Dylan Brown on the back of some Ferguson uh, genius. And then Mike Acevo scoring late in the piece. And it was Mike who had the chance to win the game in uh, controversial circumstances when Rappina uh, made no attempt to wrap the arms and, and led with the knee, it had to be said, uh, leading to a, a huge call to be made by Henry Perinara uh, with the clock reading, I think, five seconds left. And unfortunately for the Eels, he deemed that it was a legitimate attempt at a tackle. Gufferson going one from two and Croker two from two, which was the difference when all was said and done. Uh, in terms of individual, well, we'll go through team stats quickly, but uh, Eels ended up dominating possession 62% to 38%. That doesn't feel right. I know at half time it was nearly, nearly an even split. Eels slightly ahead. It didn't feel like we dominated that much percentage in the second half, but there you go. Time of possess, uh, possession 37.40 to 23.05, reflecting that possession split. Uh, completion rates for both teams very solid. 81% for the Eels, 85% for the Lime Green. Uh, Eels ahead in runs, run meters, and post-contact meters. Canberra making four line breaks, Bam Raiders two, and edging head on tackle breaks, 39 to 25. Eels having, having the better average set distance and more kick return meters. Uh, Eels also ahead in offloads and total passes. So uh, Parramatta ahead in a lot of key attacking categories, but with no Mitchell Moses to steer him at the helm, with a banged-up Quinton Gufferson at fullback, um, and Jake Arthur a little bit shaky tonight, it turns out that they couldn't capitalise on that possession and turn it into points. In terms of individual performances, mate, anyone uh, catch your eye? I know that uh, Papali'i got some plaudits from the commentary team, although he did, end up, did have an untimely error late in the piece, but he got through plenty of work. Uh, Blake Ferguson was pretty solid in his return to first grade. He was playing through some shoulder discomfort, rib discomfort in the second half. Will Penasini had a very good debut. Um, the front rollers were solid. Uh, the back rollers did okay, but probably didn't have the impact they had against the Titans. So I don't know. Where do you want to start with this one? Because this is definitely one that got away from the Eels. Uh, and to Canberra's credit, they played a great game. And I think they would have knocked over plenty of teams tonight. But given the players they had out and the fact that the Eels are only miss- missing their their main man in Mitchell Moses, 
we had this pegged as a win. Yeah, look, I think what stands out to me was the critical errors. I think the match started and ended with the errors that we made in attack Mm -hmm. in in the Raiders' quarter. It was Mm -hmm. uh, at – well, I said it's critical errors, so it was obviously (laughs) critical times. Um, And and you know what? It's really – it's really reflected in the scoreline because we weren't turning over possession at our end of the field and putting ourselves under pressure defensively. That's why you have the opposition only scoring two tries. But conversely, we weren't able to convert the opportunities that we had because the ball was going down when we were prime position to launch attacking raids. And it may be said that we had plenty of ball down there, but when, when you've got the ball down there, and you're able, if you're able to keep applying the pressure, the defence is eventually going to crack. And unfortunately, we, we dropped the it. ball. Yeah, uh, there was. I, I think there was a, a key moment where Ryan Madison. Yep, I was going to bring that up. We got, got, got the six again. again. Six again. Call spread it to Maddo, and then he goes into the tackle and just drops it cold. And that yeah. that was a backbreaker. And I know I mentioned his eyes drop later in the game with you know five six minutes left, but that Madison drop really signaled the the point where heads would have started dropping, saying, "Damn, dagnabbit!" Pardon my French yeah. there, but uh, bloody hell, you know we, we've we've done this to ourselves, and yeah, that. Mate, that if, if, I think you've just sent our podcast rating from a PG to an R. I, I might have to. I might have to put the old uh, uh, beep. On that one, because we do have some younger <laughs> listeners to our um, to our podcast, and we don't want to be setting bad habits in motion there. So my apologies. So I will um, do a little. Well, bit- mate, mate, I, I did say at the start of this podcast that it was going to be hard to keep the emotions in check after a they're doing an instant reaction after a loss. I, so I will. I, will I think, I think you can of- be excused. Yeah, because I certainly <laughs> had my moments of. Uh, I, will, I will apply a little bit of post uh, post editing magic there. I think because uh, <laughs> got to do the right thing by some of our listeners because we do appreciate everyone and um whether it's um young or old listening to the tip sheet, but yeah, uh, another game where we lose because the opposition team play spoiling tactics in the middle, and they're sort of they're daring the ref to uh, blow his whistle, and at some points they will, and then some points they start you know just putting it away and letting the game. Uh, you know, go tit for tat. And we saw, I think there was one set in the second half or was it late in the first half where Canberra were blatantly offside the entire set and really gunning in on us and nailing us. And G had nothing to say. And then obviously late in the piece, we got a couple of six agains. Uh, but even in the, in the first half, there was deliberate six agains on the goal line to stop the Eels getting extra plays in with the clock ticking down, which is a easy sin bin. And oh, it looked that... The last set of the half should have been a penalty and an opportunity to kick for a 2 0 lead. And there's I'll... there's no question about that. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna start ref blaming for the loss because as I said, and... this match, the reason for the result started and ended with the amount of critical errors that the Eels made in attack. And I'm not discounting the uh the courageous effort of the Raiders, especially defensively, uh and and given the players they went into the match without and also the injury to Papali'i uh, during the game. But even even taking uh, that into consideration, the Eels should have converted probably two to three opportunities definitely, definitely. through the game. And unfortunately, they didn't. And some of them weren't even um, uh, like... 
close to to being um, uh, something that was difficult to achieve because it, I said to you before we recorded this that the opportunity that Will Penasini had in the first half, if mm. there was New South Wales Cup... He dummies and goes himself. Dummies and goes himself. But the one did, where he, he passed to Ferguson and the plays, ball went astray. He plays the selfless option in first grade and instead leads to a turnover, which is, you know, that was probably going to open the floodgates on the Canberra defence. Um, yeah. And... and Further to your not, you know, playing the ref blame game, I will add that Parramatta certainly had a little bit of luck with that Mike Acevo try name because Dylan Brown, I thought, was half a step offside. Um, although we have seen this year that the, they've ruled on a, a new precedent that if you're inside the 10 but don't impact the play, they'll let play go on. So maybe that was in, in a factor there, which I didn't think yeah, was... Yeah, he was ruled as being passive in yeah, that. Yeah, which I, I didn't that. think was the rule. I thought if he was just inside 10, it was an immediate penalty, but that's what you said. That's the terminology I use. He's a passive player in that circumstance because he didn't actually impact the defender in his contest nor did he touch the ball when the Eels distributed it to Sivo. So, yeah, uh, refereeing very sloppy all around and, um, you know, it's obviously not just against Parramatta, we know that. Um, Canberra would have had a number of calls where they would have been uh, upset that it didn't go their way. Uh, no Mitchell Moses. Brad Arthur chooses to put Will Smith on as the small ball lock forward and then at the 70th minute he pulls Reed Marnie. Do you agree with that call? Yeah, it's hard to make a decision on that call without we're, we're, actually we're down. being at the... That, that's true. We, we are making an uninformed decision here as as fans, as armchair coaches. So uh, we, we do have a little bit of a leeway in one sense, but also ignorance to a large degree in the other. But going back and looking at that, the Eels at that point are down 12-6, and you're chasing that six points to score, and obviously we, we get within two, but Reed, arguably your most informed player in the spine, I, I don't know, it's a tough call, because he's gotten through a ton of work, so I can understand the fatigue being a factor there too, but I don't know, Jake Jake's struggling out on the left edge, he does he does end up contributing to the Mike Acevo try, but it's a big call, because you feel like Reed's your best player there. Yeah, it, it was a tough call, but as I said, if we're at the game, we're able to watch the full field right. we're and able the, to see what's happening off the ball exactly. and whether Reed is starting to struggle yeah. in, uh, defensively or getting into position or, or even getting into the into the play of the ball so it's hard to make a call on that from the television that's it's one of the things that you come it, it, the advantage of being at games is seeing the field in its entirety the contributions that players are making in the work off the ball, you get to see what's happening in terms of the uh, onside, offside, the speed of the ruck, why there's a, a, you know, one team's faster or slower. Um, You get to see what's happening, I I suppose, with even the, a little bit more with the the six agains, if it's possible for that to happen. But you do have, because you've got that wider vision of the field, you've got some sort of concept if one team's getting away with pushing the rules to the limit or not, and that's why, like my gut instinct watching that tonight was, if the Raiders weren't going early or offside, I would have been stunned. But I can't make a call on that because I'm not at the game. I, I'm I'm not seeing mm-hmm. that wider vision of where they are in relation to the referee. Obviously, dropping the game hurts, and it opens the the door ever so slightly for Manly to make a move uh, as the season progresses, especially given that we do meet each other in the run home. But with Mitchell Moses due back in the short term, 
what what would your plans be going forwards? Uh, if he's not available next week, or if he is available next week, obviously that solves everything because Mitch comes in and he runs the show. Uh, if he isn't available, do you persevere with Jake Arthur or what you saw tonight was concerning enough to say, you've done well, youngin', but you know, you've gone a game too far in the first grade, which we've seen. It's, that, that's not a knock on Jake. You see it with a lot of young kids. The NRL is a taxing competition and it'll take everything you've got and more. Uh, and especially as you start getting into the business in the season and, and teams are really starting to gear up and they're going to start picking on perceived weaknesses in lineups. Do you think that we persevere if Jake if Mitch is unavailable or do you put Will Smith there? Do you put Bryce Cartwright there? Is there some other configuration you would consider moving forwards? Yeah, it's a, it, it is a tough call there because I think there was – it was a – look, it was a mixed bag from Jake tonight. I thought that in – uh, possession. He was um, he was calm. There was even a couple of moments where I even wondered whether he has been a bit too calm. Where he, he it almost looked like he was slowing the play up in linking or or going for his kicks. But I think that's one of those cases where he's going to be a half who who generates his own pace in a game. We'll we'll control the pace around him. However, that's fine in the future because we saw Jason Smith absolutely dominate the NRL by doing that. He, he played to his own tempo and teams just had no answer to it for a long, long time, even well into his thirties. And, and we also saw that there was a a couple of, couple of critical plays that he came up with, with his kicks. And also uh, that moment where he, he chased down the kick, um, got the ball and then offloaded to Nathan Brown who dropped the ball with the line wide open uh, and Brown, it would Brownie would want that one back yeah and, and maybe, maybe I sp- I said to you on the in the preamble to the, the podcast that maybe on review Jake might have been a smidgen offside but the referees have deemed him onside in the initial call and then from there Jake goes up takes the specky and then uh, manages to do a sensational job to keep his ball carrying arm off the ground to get that offload away because the commentators were banging about passing off the ground but We've seen it against Parramatta. It's happened where guys have. Uh, which game was it recently? It might have. I can't. I can't remember. But there was a couple of times where we've had guys pass off the ground, but because the ball carrying arm doesn't touch the ground, it's play on. So Jake did everything in his power there to make the play happen. But Brownie, unfortunately, eyes as big as dinner plates, but hands just as clunky. So. Yeah. And and what happened tonight was we saw that um, Corey Harawira Naira uh, did a. Uh, had a great moment there where he he got an isolated Jake Arthur yeah, in front of him. Yeah, Jake and caught in two minds there as Wonga pushed up on his outside and he sort of cho- like chose to play between the inside option and Harry Naira before sliding onto Naira too late, allowing for that to happen. And then the second instance, uh, the Eels got opened up by, was it a Sebastian Chris or a Smith Shields run? Might have been Chris. Uh, and that pulled in Gufferson and we just were so sloppy at, at dummy half, at Marcus, sorry allowing Rappano to get in behind. So two very yeah. disappointing tries. That was one of those moments where we rolled off the tackle where in if if it was the Raiders there, they were taking the odds to give away six again in that moment. But we sort of rolled off the tackle and all of a sudden we got two to three players on the ground when the ball's being played and then is just basically running into that Base that's beyond the yep. play the ball. It yeah, was and it was as simple as that. But um, yeah, so look, just on just on Jake, I thought there was uh, more positive than negative. I think you're going to get young halves always being um, targeted, especially uh, lightweight halves being targeted in the game. We've seen 
the the case with um, Young Walker from the Roosters, where the Roosters are doing their best to hide him wherever they can in the defensive line, and he's still coming up with a large number of missed tackles, which I'm sure they would recognise as is quite critical. But they're not paying the ultimate price in a game at the moment, and you'd have to say that throughout most of the game. Jake Arthur's doing his job when it comes to defence, but that was unfortunately uh, a big miss tonight, and it's it's one where it only goes down. It probably only goes down on him because uh, he was isolated, mm-hmm. and, and he was the only one there that could make the tackle. Now, whether you can look at the outside or inside players and say that they should have been uh, more involved in that play, I, I think I'd have to put it down to very good work from the Raiders yeah, who it, it was engaged. A- Exactly, it was a well-staged play, and it put it, it was in an ISO play, like isolation. So you're playing man to man. You have to make the right reads, and and Jake was just that half a step too slow. So um, you know, I'll be interested to see how the Eels handle this, how his dad handles this, because you know, obviously he, he doesn't want to put Jake into a bad situation. If he's struggling, he, he'll you know move him down and find another option. But without Mitchell Moses, you're put in a tough spot, regardless, aren't you? Because Mitch is just he is the glue that binds everything in this team together. Yeah, yeah. So um, it'll be an interesting call for uh, the next match because if, I mean, I've got my fingers crossed that Mitch Moses is going to be fine. I think probably Will Smith has to come into consideration as an option because if we think back to last year, Will was used in that 5-8 role in the latter part of the year after Dylan Brown got his injury. Correct. and, And did quite a good job for that limited number of games. In fact, he was responsible really for getting the victory over the West Tigers in the back half of the of the competition last year in that run That's home. True. So, That's true. yeah, he has to. He, he very much has to come into consideration, you'd have to think. Now, uh, we talked about the rookie having a good game, and Will certainly didn't do his chances of more in a role in 2021 opportunity pending uh, any harm. But the man outside him, Blake Ferguson, coming back from exile, set up a sensational try for Dylan Brown on the back of a solo uh, virtuoso effort, I suppose is the best way of describing it, on a kick return that he nearly dropped, by the way. (laughs) Uh, But he picked up what looked to be a rib injury uh, a little bit after that and sort of battled through it. What did you make of Fergo? Was it more good than bad? Was it just all good? Uh, I would say it was probably about 70 to 80% good. I didn't think we were tested physically, uh, sorry, um, defensively. Yeah, they only came out of edge once really in the first half and he actually followed Will Penison in on the jam, which allowed him to nail Croker. So that was the one test and he passed it. But uh, as opposed to what we might have thought coming into this game where uh, right edge was going to be the volatile edge defensively, it was the left that got found out a bit. Yeah, yeah. So, um, look, I'd, I'd very much give him a... A pass mark. I don't think it's going to be um, a performance which, unless he does have a significant injury, which keeps him out. Because I think we we have a double barrel uh, run of Thursday night games, yep, don't we? We're going. straight into a, another Thursday night game. Yeah, so although it's a seven it's a seven day turnaround, it, it'll sort of feel as if it's a quick preparation for the week ahead. Um, so if he's got an injury, then obviously it's an easy solution with Hayes coming back in. Um, if he's if he's physically fine, I think it was the sort of performance that would have encouraged VA to leave him in the team. And certainly without him out there, 
that try that got Parramatta building a bit of late match momentum would not have occurred. Mm-hmm. And uh, attrition was a factor for both teams in this game. The Raiders saw one of their key players in uh, Josh Papali'i come onto the game from the bench, sorry, and then get ruled out quickly after he ate dirt very heavily in a tackle on Oregon Kafusi. But equally uh, for the Eels, Marada um, Niakore caught into action early as centre when uh, Micah Sivo was forced off for a head injury assessment. And then unfortunately, Micah goes and diverts back to prop on his second stint where you know he was meant to play and he sort of gets his first carry there and gets twisted up and hurts his knee. He tried to push for all but couldn't, came off, and then the, the, the broadcast didn't give a shit about him. They only cared about Josh Papali's concussion. We didn't hear anything about Murata, at least as far as I remember. So now we're left to wait and see what Brad says in his post-match presser, which probably has happened as of the uh, recording of this podcast, but we're live, so I can't listen. So I'm not sure what's happened to Simba, but you know, fingers crossed that he's okay because he's a huge piece, huge part of our bench rotation. Yeah. So, look, it could be. And, and again, we do have ready-made replacements that are there, but you just don't want these sort of injuries to your strike players as you come into the latter part of the season. And we did have that happen last year. And let's let's hope that it's something minor for him again in this instance. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to find out what it is. Is it possible to come up with a 3-2-1 after a match like this tonight, mate? It's tough. It's tough. Uh, who really stood out to me? Because, obviously, you know, we didn't have anyone stand up and be the the clutch hero, uh, and in general, we just struggled for creativity and attack, which is to be expected to a degree uh, when Mitch is out. But given what we saw last week where we managed to engineer some real positive play against the Titans, uh, the fact that Canberra were able to uh, compete through the middle, A, and then B, spoil the ruck pretty effectively against us meant that we really struggled to generate positive play. So in terms of 3-2-1, who did I really like? Gosh... Uh, I thought Reg and Junior tore pretty hard, so that'd be up there for consideration. I thought Papali'i had a pretty good game outside of that late error. Um, I like the work of the rookie, Will Penasini, so he'd probably feature in there somewhere. But handing out three points is tough. It feels like there's a lot of you know two or one point ga- efforts in that mix there. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much the same. So maybe if we just narrowed it down to say who was your best on field for the Eels. You just had to give one person, not necessarily three points, but one person as your best on field. I might go off Reg. I felt like his runs had the most impact consistently. Um, it certainly felt like I noticed him the most when he was on, like in terms of the forwards, I felt like I noticed the impact of him on the field the most, although Junior was pretty close behind that. Uh, I thought, in saying that, Reed had a pretty good game too. Out of our spine players, he was the one that was most effective. Nearly, how unlucky was he kicking that 40-20, the second one? That was actually millimetres in it that allowed Rapana to tap the ball back in the field of his boot. Just crazy how close the game can be sometimes. Um, That's probably indicative of, of the, 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 the of night. what <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and kudos to the touchy there because that was a very good call. Uh, that was uh, very tight. They got that one right. So... Um, I'll give the rookie one point. I'll give Will Penasini the one point. I thought he was very impressive on debut. And I, I love that we weren't afraid to give him an early ball and let him uh, really tee off on Jared Croker. And he really gave Jared Croker a, a, a big test. So that was positive. And I like that in the first half that we actually went to him on that fifth tackle play for Reed Barney. I know that Semi Valame made a great tackle on him, but that was a positive 
that was one of the few positive red zone plays we made, I felt like. So, yeah, one yep. point for the rookie. Uh, I'll go two points junior, three points reg. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm probably um, similar to what you're thinking uh, in terms of the two forwards, uh, two props, the two bookends. Um, I'm, I'm probably tempted to throw Dylan Brown in there for a point. I Dill, think Dill, he, Dill wasn't bad that on the night, yeah. And I feel that with Mitchell there, he would have really dominated in this game, actually. Yeah. So, um, and there was a number of times we made uh, repeat tackles as well. Uh, nice low ones around the legs, just chopping the Canberra players down, uh, effort on effort sort of stuff. And, uh, yeah, just a very solid, very tidy performance. And I thought as well that um, it might have been tough that the Raiders weren't called for a strip on him too, that um, that uh, lost possession in the... There, there was certainly a hand on the ball. The the lack of an obvious reefy motion probably is what decided it. But given that we saw Jared Croker get away for pretty you know loose effort holding the ball... With Madison just adjusting his hand backwards, it wasn't even like a huge stripping motion that saw a penalty. You'd think that would have been fairly consistent on it, but unfortunately that was the uh, ruling of the day. Yeah, look, I thought that call on Madison was was shocking in comparison to what's been called with um, the, the uh, strips this year. I didn't think that was anything close to a stripping action. And then, as I said, I, look, I didn't look at, there wasn't any replays or angles that were given on that Dylan Brown moment of lost possession. But gee, the ball seemed yeah, to pop out. pop up uh, out of nowhere. Uh, the sort of yeah. thing that usually needs a little bit of assistance from the opposition. I think I heard the ref yell a tackling motion, uh, yeah. which so often is just a strip. Like, especially if you're going to call that against Ryan Madison, right? Uh, which, yeah, anyway. I, I had a look at the the uh, reaction from Dylan Brown, which was, he was, he generally is easy to read in these moments because when he's lost the ball, you see the head go down and he's, you can see he's automatically upset with himself in that instance. It was uh, stunned that it wasn't called for a strip. So, um, but anyway, that's, uh, we're starting to get into the minutiae of the, of the game with these sorts of moments. I know they do add up, but um, as I said, I still come back to the fact that there was far too many critical errors from the Eels. And we probably just um, took on a Raiders team, which even though they were down in personnel, put in their most com- committed performance yeah. of the season. Um, yeah, they certainly had a number of players really step up. Uh, looking at that, Ross, I know Tapanay had a great game, but Jordan Ruppiner was sensational. Uh the outside backs were all pretty solid, but uh, the the dual dummy halves, Hodgson and uh, Starling, were pretty good too. Harry Naira had probably his best game of the season, so a lot of yeah. guys stepping up in the absence of missing players and miss, missing stars, excuse me. And, you know, that's as a camera fan, you'd be very stoked about that because that's exactly what they needed. Um, but unfortunately for the Eels, it means that we got another underdog team producing probably one of their performances of the season. Uh, which, and which we've also we've also got the um, uh, all the uh, negative Nancys coming out of the woodwork 
in terms of uh, you know the oh, sky yeah. is about to fall again. Oh, yeah. So um, yeah, less less said about that, the better I think. Um, and I think it's coming through now is that it's uh, potentially a meniscus injury for Murata, and that can be pretty like wild in, in the variance you've got for a meniscus injury. Sometimes you can play through it. Sometimes you can get it trimmed and then play through it. Sometimes you need to sit out for a while. So we'll have to wait and see what the full scope of that means because uh, the meniscus can be a pretty uh, broad scope in terms of uh, diagnosis. Yep, yep. So um, just a, a, a quick uh, reaction for you. If, if this wasn't a week where uh, it was a decision to rest up a chick for um, uh, well-being reasons, do you think uh, Will Penasini would hold on, to him, on, hold on to his spot? I would have given a big uh, yeah, tick. Big, big tick. But, I think that's, that's the sort of rookie performance a coach loves to see. Uh, Canberra did ask questions of him in defence, and and Ruppin in particular, you know, fended him off a couple of times. But Ruppin obviously very difficult to tackle when he's uh, firing, so that's no knock on Will. But he got willingly involved, helped with the rucking, had some strong carries in the red zone, looked very threatening. Um, so that that was really good. Um, you know, he did everything but score a try, which he could, almost could have done too, like you said, if throws a dummy and goes himself. If he if he's a little bit more selfish, which is a weird thing to say, but you know, rookies are often play the selfless option he did that and it was to his own detriment so loved what I saw from Will uh, I assume Tom just comes back into the team because he's been rock solid for us but uh, with the Blake Ferguson injury it does open up some potential dynamics where you could shift Wonger out to the wing if you so um, so felt but obviously Hayes Dunst has done a good job on that right flank so I assume that Tom comes back Hayes comes back if the, if Fergo is hurt yep yep well mate this has been tough to have to come up with a Instant an instant reaction podcast after a loss, but I think we've done it. Okay, I don't know that there's anything more we need to explore. Yeah, uh, like, obviously the Eels blow their best attack, lacking direction, as we discussed, uh, and you know that part of that lies on the Eels. Part of that is an, exp- an exponent of the Raiders' ability to spoil the rock. So uh, Parramatta still have to learn from that. We spoke about that at length this year in that a lot of our bad losses have come when the opposition has spoiled the rock against us and we haven't been able to find a way to deflect that. But it now sets up a, a must-win clash against the Roosters, I'd say. It, I mean, it's not really must-win because our run to the finals, even for the tougher in the finals, we will be playing finals football. But you want to win against the Roosters and get that buffer back into the top four. But yeah, it sucks to go into the weekend on a loss, but... I don't know. It was pretty cathartic talking about it, man. I feel a lot better after getting that off my chest, if I'm going to be honest. Well, what I'm wondering now is whether I'm going to wake up in the morning and find out that it was just another nightmare that I had where <laughs> the uh, the call went up to the bunker uh, to Henry Perinara to, oh, make a, to make a decision on the match-winning uh, play and he rules against us. So nightmare fuel. Um, it's uh, it's a it's a nightmare scenario that's always you know been what? in my mind. Maybe uh, maybe so because we got maybe out it the is, way. Maybe it's a nightmare I'm in at the moment. Maybe it didn't really happen. I'm I'm hoping that when I wake up in the morning, it has just been another nightmare, and um and this is this hadn't really uh, transpired tonight that he could have made a call on a on a penalty try to Sivo <laughs> for the. 
illegal tackle, but um, yeah. The only way it's, I can spin into something positive is that, thank goodness, it happened in the regular season, so maybe it's not going to happen in the postseason. Either. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> you know, it doesn't work. No, it, it does not work like that, unfortunately. It doesn't, doesn't, doesn't work that way, but once again, no, we're not talking about that as the reason for a, an Eels loss because it was... Uh, the uh, oh, we had the Eels chances. need to go and have a look in the mirror to work yeah. out why the loss happened. So yeah. we just need yeah. that uh, a composure in the red zone without Mitch, and b the ability to uh, identify when the opposition are playing spoilers and find a way to punish that. Whether it's getting repeat sets off the back of kicks or uh, you know forcing a simbin by milking or or you know directing the ref's attention to it. I don't know. That there's yeah. going to be some sort of countermeasure we we deploy against teams when they do that because we have been beaten without that this year. Uh, but uh, our most frustrating losses have come on the back of that against the Dragons, obviously against the Raiders tonight, uh, mainly to an extent when we played them at Bank West. But they're also just few um, fired up from the passing of Bozo. So yeah, I don't know we we got to figure some things out. But it is far from doom and gloom. Uh, Canberra played a fantastic game. We were without Mitchell Moses, and um, we have a chance to refocus and. Uh, Pluck some feathers out of the chooks next week. Yeah, and might I just make a recommendation to people just steer clear of uh, some of the media hacks and uh, naysayers over the next few days because we've got another match next week and you don't need to listen to uh, those fools and their opinions to um, to make you feel any worse than you probably already do after a, yeah, an unexpected look, look, Losing sucks. There is no you know nice way to decorate that. And Neils will certainly rue this as a game they should have won. But the reality is that, you know, you lost. Games are tough in the NRL. Canberra played a great game. You move on. You know, if you, if you get caught up complaining and, and, you know, stuck in the negativity of this game, you're going to start going on a downward spiral. So Eels um, need a little bit of a short, uh, short-term memory from this one to put it in the bin and then move on to next week. Yeah. Yep. Anyway. Uh, good to vent, mate. Good to get that off the chest. Always great to talk footy, even on a loss. Um, as for everyone that stopped by and listened, we do appreciate you taking the time. Uh, we know this one would have been a rather painful podcast to listen to, given the result, but uh, it is always nice to talk footy and have people uh, stop by. So if you want to have a leave a comment, uh, do so on the blog. Otherwise, we'll catch you guys next week with a big Team West Tuesday and a big preview pod. Cheers, mate, and thanks, everyone. Yeah, thanks for stopping by, guys. Stay safe and stay well in the lockdown. Thank you.